0: We're so glad that you're taking time to listen to this week's message from Bethel Worship Center. Uh, we pray that it blesses you wherever you are in your faith journey. Uh, we do want to let you know that we are open. Our campus is open. Uh, we invite you to go to bwccamden.com. Uh, you can find out everything that we're offering right now at this time and in this season. So make sure to, to, to go there and find the ways that you can stay up to date with everything happening at Bethel Worship Center. But again, uh, wherever you are in your faith journey... Whether you are um, exploring more about faith, learning who Jesus is, learning about God, uh, you're new in your walk with Jesus Christ, or you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, we pray that today's message blesses you, it encourages you, it equips you. So God bless you. Thank you again for taking part. All right. How many of you have a circuit breaker in your house? Is every hand going up? Because I'm imagining... Probably everybody, I would think, uh, maybe I, maybe you've got a new new way. I don't know, uh, but uh, circuit breakers are pretty important to the house because you know they help you they help your electrical circuits work. You know, I am not an electrician. I, I, I can't help you with your electricity. I didn't say it at Holiday Inn Express last night. So, I mean it's, uh, but but I do know. That oftentimes, what happens when you have a tripped breaker, it can happen several different ways. But one of the most common is that you overload that outlet, right? You overload that breaker. You know, there's times. That, you know, we we where we live, not a lot of people see our house. So at Christmas, I don't always set up a lot of Christmas lights. I don't do; it's pointless. It's a will be a waste of my time and energy. Uh, but sometimes I will put some spots on the house and some different inflatables just for our enjoyment and. If we have any visitors during the holiday time, you know, they can maybe see that. But and, but there's been times before when the spots I've tried to put out to shower on our house, I've found myself trying to plug too many electrical or too many drop cords into one outlet, you know. And so I've got this outlet on the outside of my house. We have them on the inside too. The outlet itself has a reset button. I don't know if you've had those outlets in your house. And so you put too much on that outlet, that thing will trip. Now, I know the guys that wired my house. They could have just totally messed it up when they wired it, I, you know. But it's more than likely it was me. It was me doing that. But, but in case you ever wondered, if you're tripping or breaking, you're wondering, why is that constantly tripping? It's probably because you're overloading the outlet. And it doesn't matter how, how much you – if you don't unplug what's pulling from that outlet, it's just going to keep tripping, right? It's, it's, it's just going to keep happening. Because when, when that electrician created that circuit box and they wired your house, they, a wired, they, they wired each breaker – to be able to handle a certain amount of amperage that comes through that, and that will go to it. It's created to work in a rhythm, right? So, And, and when that rhythm is broken, electri- the, the, you lose power. When the rhythm of that electricity is broken, you lose power. So I hope that little lesson helps you out this morning in some way, shape, or form. Last week, we started a series called Ready... Set right, And in week one, last week, we looked at Acts chapter one and we looked at something the disciples and the early church were learning and some information that we need to glean and we need to learn for our own selves as well. And, that is, and that's the thing that it's often easier for us to go back to what's familiar than to walk forward into what's unknown. Anybody relate to that? We want to go back to what we're comfortable with. We want to go back, go back to what we're familiar with. And the disciples, this, this is where they found themselves. They wanted to go back to the familiarity of being with and in the presence of Jesus. When he was resurrected, they started spending time with him. They, they wanted to stay in that familiarity. And when he left, he gave them a mission. though. He gave the church a mission and he told them what they needed to do. And they found out they saw them found themselves in a place where if they're going to go forward in the mission that God has got, given them then they need to get them into a get themselves into a place where they get ready and set to move forward with God. And we said that as followers of Christ, we have to have that mindset that we need to be in the place where we want to move forward with God. And move into what he has us. We said our starting block, if you remember last week, our starting block, our starting position is a place of prayer, right? That is our starting block where we need to get and we need to be in the place of prayer. This week we're going to jump into Acts chapter 2. And we're going to see that very much like that breaker box, that you wondered what in the world did that have anything to do with anything, these disciples got themselves into a rhythm with God and in his presence so that his power could work through them. So God feeds his power to us and through us. So before we can go, before we can move in him, we have got to be ready. We've got to be set. Our starting place is a, is a place of, of prayer, but we've got to get ourselves into a rhythm with God and his presence and his Holy Spirit so that he can move through us and with us. You know, we're going to see how the early church moved and what God did in in them. And the way that they were able to do it is because they were energized and they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. They got themselves into a rhythm of the relationship with him. If you remember where we left left off last week in Acts chapter 1, we're going to jump into Acts chapter 2. If you remember where we left off, they they had moved themselves into a place where they got united in prayer right? They united themselves in prayer and they focused themselves on God and they put themselves in the presence of God and they began seeking him. So I want us to see what happens next in Acts chapter two. Let's take a look there at what began to happen. It says on the day of Pentecost and Pentecost, this was a traditional time for, for Jewish believers, for, 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 for the, for those followers. Pentecost was a regular day. But Pentecost changed in this moment. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Luke tells us that suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them in that room. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now at that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. They were there because it was the time of Pentecost. They were there to do the traditional Pentecost, day of Pentecost. When they heard the loud noise... Everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea. Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Serene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things that God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But there were those other people, just like today, in the crowd that ridiculed them. They said, oh, they're just drunk. That's it. Let's skip down to verse 36. Peter begins preaching a message. And at the conclusion of his message, we get to this point, and he says, So let everyone in Israel know for certain, without a doubt, there is no argument. It cannot be neglected. It cannot be denied. Let everyone know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified." To be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. And then be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles. All who have been called by the Lord our God. And then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. 30, um, 41, he said, it says this, Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Amazing what God did on that first day through the early church. All because for 120 days, they had put themselves in the presence of God and gotten themselves into a spiritual rhythm. With Jesus, with his Holy Spirit, behind closed doors. Remember what we said last week? When we get behind closed doors with him, we'll see God open doors for us. That's what's happening here in this place. They got behind closed doors and they got in this rhythm. And then God began to work and his Holy Spirit's power came on them. And his power began to work through them. Because it's often the things we do in private that emerge into the public. We, if, we're, if, if we don't like where we're moving, if you don't like where you're moving in your, in your own individual life, if you don't like where you're going, if you don't like where you're heading, change your rhythm. What rhythm are you creating in your life? What rhythm are you creating in your personal life at home? What rhythm are you creating within your household, within your family? What rhythm have you created at work? Around people and with others, in, in your walk with Christ, what rhythm is there? Because if you don't like where you're going, change the rhythm. You know, that's when when they got into the presence of God, when they understood what, what Jesus told them to go and, and 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 just spend time waiting on my presence? When they did that, it created in, in them an utter dependence upon him and his Holy Spirit. We have got to have an utter dependence on the Holy Spirit in our life. We need a dependence on him to work and to move in us. You know, power, power can be used in, in, in different ways. Now, there's a, a couple of ways that we can think of powers. Power can work in, work in a way that it's unleashed. Or power can work in a way that it's harnessed. You think about if you have a 10-gallon can of gasoline. If you drop a match in that 10-gallon can of gasoline, there is that power of, of that is going to be unleashed, right? But that same 10 gallons of gasoline can be put into a car and can be harnessed and it can work together to move something hundreds of miles. Right. See, explosions are incredible. They're fun to maybe watch, not to, to have happen right at you. They're really cool to watch what people in movies walk away from in slow motion, right? But, but you think of something that is controlled, it has a lasting effect. It's, it's there for the long haul. It has staying power. The Holy Spirit works the same way. In fact, in the Greek, there's several different words that are used for power. When you look at the word power, you know, we, we see it translated in, in, in our Bibles. We, often, we just see power. But in the Greek, you would see different ones. One was dunamis. This is where we get our word for dynamite, right? This was often used when God would work in a miraculous way and you would see his power move in, an, in a miraculous way. So the Holy spirit can come in and he can work explosively, but his power also works in a way that it harnesses and and moves through the church to continue to moving the church forward in the mission and the vision that he has called us to. That's exactly what was happening in the early church. He, he worked in a way that, that he worked through them powerfully in moments to bring healing to, to, to see miracles take place. But he also worked in them in a way that that his power moved them forward into what he was calling them to do. The church has staying power because we have the Holy Spirit. And there was an old pastor by the name of Vance Havner. I say old just because it was a long time ago. He made this statement. He said, we are not going to move this world by criticism of it. Nor conformity to it, but by the combustion with it of lives ignited by the Spirit of God. God, let your Spirit ignite us and move us to see you work. And that's exactly what's happening here. That's exactly what his Holy Spirit is doing. He's, he is, he's, he, he exploded onto the scene. He got everybody's attention, and then he began to move. And Peter, emboldened by the Spirit, began to preach. And those verses that we skipped over. You can go back this week and look at those and explore them through this week. He quoted the prophet Joel. He, he, he quoted David. And he went back to the words of David he said, David said these words, but you've got to know these words aren't about David because David's body is still in the grave. These words were about Jesus because Jesus has been resurrected. Everything the prophets were talking about, everything that that he's talking to a lot of religious people, he's thinking, everything that you guys have memorized in your head, it's all about the man that you just yelled to have crucified. And then it says that they were gripped by his words, that they were pierced by them. And they said, what must we do? Because see, when we're gripped by the words of God, when we're moved by the, by, the, by the Holy Spirit, when we're moved by the things that the revelation we get from God's word, it shouldn't just move us emotionally. It should move us to do something. And so they said, what must we do? And Peter told them exactly what to do. Repent of the sin that's in your life. Turn away from it. Get yourself baptized to show others, I'm making this step. And God changes your life. A couple of interesting things that are happening in this whole thing, especially when you relate it to the history of what we know of the Jewish culture in the Old Testament. You know, we see, you know, Luke makes, us not, makes it known that, that this, what looks like fire, what looks like tongues of fire come, come down and start resting over these people's heads. And, you know, most of what they knew, most of what they seen, every time they had seen fire, it had to do with the temple of God, which is where they were gathering around and gathering near for Pentecost. Everything would happen around the, the, the temple. So they would remember the days when the fire of God, they would remember the fire of God that led them by night. They would remember the way the fire of God would consume sacrifices. They remembered that. that. But now all of a sudden Luke is letting them know that now fire is not moving on the temple, the physical building. Now the fire is coming on the person. It's as if God is saying, My fire is not moving in this physical building anymore. My fire is now in this temple, the body of the believer. My fire moves within the fire of my presence. And it's also interesting when we see that Moses received the law, and when he came down from the mountain, and he found his fellow Jews. Dancing and singing and worshiping around a golden cow. They had been told about God. They had been told what to follow. They had been told of who he was. They couldn't tarry. They couldn't wait. They didn't become dependent on God. They wanted to create their own way. And when Moses came down and he saw this. The book of Exodus tells us that 3,000 people died that day. Now listen, the Old Testament, I'll be the first to admit, it's hard to understand. (laughs) It's hard to understand why certain things happened the way they happened. But isn't it interesting to now look in Acts? That when the fire of the presence of God comes, after Jesus had given his life as a sacrifice for all of humanity, 3000 people didn't die because they admitted their sin. 3000 people entered into new life with Christ. Why? Because Jesus Christ had took the wrath of God once and for all for all of mankind. So now the fire that we receive from God is the fire of his presence, the fire of his love, the fire of his goodness. To walk with us and to move with us and to go with us. So are we getting ourselves into a rhythm with His Holy Spirit and mobilizing ourselves for Him to do something great in us and through us? I've said this before, but I said it even a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to say it again today. You might get tired of hearing it, but it needs to stick into our minds and in our hearts. What we know of church what we understand of what the church is supposed to be. Again, the New Testament comes originally from a Greek language. And in the Greek, the word for church, you might be remembering. Maybe you remember. It. The repetition is good because you might be sitting there saying, I don't even remember. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> I get it. I'm the same way. But it comes from the word ecclesia. Right? Say that to yourself. ecclesia. You remember Ecclesia? Okay, I got it now. It means a movement, a gathering of people. If if you break the word down, ek means to, it means out of. Kaleo means called out. So it is a gathering, an assembly of people who are called out around an idea. That's what the word in the Greek means, ecclesia. a gathering, an assembly of people called out around an idea. So when it's translated in talking about the church, it's talking about an assembly of people who are gathered around the idea, the truth of Jesus Christ dying and being resurrected to save our life and to change us. And this is what moved them. But over the years, somewhere that changed, especially in what we know as church. And people began thinking of church not as a movement, but as a place for religious services. Right? Because you think the first, time, first thing you typically think of was in church is where do you go to church, right? And our English word, I told you this, our English word for church comes from a German word, which is kirsch, Right? Because, see, the shift in thinking changed the fundamental way with the way people related to the church. What happened was you had people who began to dictate how others ought to see God's word. Only a few understood the word or claimed to understand and then teach it to others. So church became a place that they would went to receive that. But what they did was they manipulated the word for their own benefit. They manipulated it to have control. They manipulated it for selfish gain. And so the church became an institution. But then, all of a sudden, a group of people raised up. One whose name is very famous, Martin Luther. Who said, wait a minute, something's not right. He nailed a a bunch of theses on the wall. He translated the Bible into German from the Greek and Hebrew so that the modern person in that time could understand it. It wasn't from the Latin Vulgate. It was from the Greek, from the original language, because he wanted everyone else to see what the scripture was saying, not just what someone else was manipulating it to sound like. And then there was a, name, a man by the name of William Tyndale who said, I need to do this for the English language. And everywhere in the New Testament where he would come across the word ecclesia, he didn't translate that word as church. He translated that word as congregation. Because he wanted people to understand and see that the church of the New Testament was not a particular building that you went to. It was a movement that you were a part of. Well, obviously, just like those didn't like Martin Luther doing it. They didn't like Tyndale doing it either. He would send copies to England and the king would have them burned. Tyndale would eventually be tried as a heretic. He'd be strangled to death and he'd be burned at a stake. In his trial, it said that he, he said these words, If God spares my life, I'll cause the boy that drives the plow to know more scripture than you do. That's a boldness that Peter and the early disciples spoke with. And God may not have spared his life in that moment, but I guarantee you the plow boy began to know more of the scripture, the truth of the scripture, than they did. And it's said that his last prayer was, Lord, open the king of England's eyes. And in 1611, a Bible was produced in the king's language called the King James Version. Uh, It wasn't the one that Paul used. You know, a lot of people think that was the translation Paul used. Uh, It came in 1611 to give a modern translation so that the people would be able to understand what the scripture was saying. Now, I know that for me to get up here, an individual that's standing on a stage speaking to you about the word right now, and you might be thinking, well, aren't we doing exactly what you're talking about that the church shouldn't be? Listen, the early church didn't forsake that. We're going to see next week that they gathered together at the temple in each other's homes. We're going to see, the, the, the scripture tells us in Hebrews that they said, don't forsake the gathering together, the meeting together, the physically coming together. Why? Because this is our upper room. This is our moment to come together, to seek the presence of God, to say, God, fill us. Pour Like we saying this morning, pour your, the fire down on us. Move in us so that when we go out these doors we can be moved by your Holy Spirit and we can do something for you. See, the danger of every generation with the church is that church ceases to be a movement and it simply just becomes a place we attend. We can never let that be. Never let church just be a place you attend or even now just something you watch online. It's okay for that because you need the encouragement. You need the equipping. You need together, together. But it's got to do something in you so that he can work through you. That's the rhythm that the Holy Spirit wants to operate with his power through you. See, what's happening in these guys? They were captured by the message that Christ had left with them. They had embraced the fact that Jesus was the Messiah. That he, had, that, that he had come to give his life as the final sacrifice. They embraced that. They didn't just believe in a risen Savior. They walked with a, religious, uh, 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 a risen Savior. They witnessed a living Savior. And they began to proclaim that life. They were captured by the message of Jesus and that message was not going to close their mouths or or nothing was going to close their mouths of that message. Have we been captured by the message? Have we been captured by what God has done for us? But not only are we captured, are we yielding ourselves to his spirit? Are we yielding ourselves to him working through us? And when we saw Acts in Acts chapter one last week, that first verse, when Luke was saying to Theophilus, he's saying, I, I, I'm writing these things to let you know what Jesus began. In other words, he's saying there's a continuation that's happening. It's not as if in his first letter that he wrote in Luke that it, this is how Jesus worked. And then in Acts, he writes this and says, this is how the church worked. No, he's saying Jesus began working here and then he kept working through his church. We're never invited to do something for Christ. We are invited to join Christ and allow him to do something through us. If you've ever noticed the end of the book of Acts, it doesn't really have a specific conclusion. It just kind of tells us that Paul kept ministering. Why? Because the Acts never stopped. His church never stopped working. The church continuing to work. The book of Acts is still continuing to work through this day, through his church. And it will continue to work until God comes back for his church. There was a, there's a statement made by Jim Cimbala. He's a pastor, he's an author. And this is a powerful statement. And I wanna share it with you as we get ready to close this morning. He said, I sometimes wonder If the early Christians were around today, would they even recognize what we call Christianity? Our version is blander, almost totally intellectual in nature. How much do you know? And devoid of the Holy Spirit power, that the early church regularly experienced. Everything we read about the church in the New Testament, he says, centered on the power of the Holy Spirit working in the hearts of Christian believers. Sadly, for many of us, this has not been our experience. Symbla says, I believe it's time to return to the kind of faith we see in the New Testament church. They believed in Christ's word. They experienced the Spirit Or they expected the spirit to do great things. And he came through as he promised. He will do the same for us today. See, there's no denying that something drastically changed in these disciples. They went from a group of people who were doubting doubting and jealous and fearful and petty to a group of people who leveraged everything for each other and spoke boldly of Jesus Christ and what he had done led Paul, who would eventually come to to know Jesus Christ, to write in a letter to Rome, we see it in Romans chapter eight, verse, verse 11, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead resides in us. The resurrection of the power of the spirit of God lives in us. So that resurrection was God breathing life into death. That resurrection power gave the disciples, the apostles, the ability to preach with boldness. It gave them the ability to forgive. It gave them the ability to love. It gave them the ability to endure. And that same resurrection power of the Holy Spirit wants to breathe life into us. And he wants to work in us. So are we putting ourselves into a rhythm With the Holy Spirit? Are we putting ourselves into a place where we are allowing and saying, God, work in me and through me? I'm not talking about emotionalism, I'm talking about the presence of God moving through us. Are we open? Are we getting in rhythm? With his presence. Stand with me this morning, Heavenly Father. I thank you for this day, and I just ask that in these last closing moments, God, that we would we would pour our attention on you, Holy Spirit. We open ourselves to you today, and we ask, Father, that you your fire of your presence would. Consume us, God. If you need to convict us, convict us. If you need to break us, God, break us today. Make us broken in your presence. If you need to open our eyes to something today, open our eyes today. Father, I pray that those that are are ready and willing and, and, and craving for you to do something in us and through us, God, I pray that you would begin to move and make us aware of how you want to use us. Help us to see the opportunities in front of us to be used by your power. And church, as you pray, I just want to to say to anyone, you may may kind of be like those that witnessed this happening that we see in Acts chapter 2, and you've always thought the church is just crazy. It's just filled with a bunch of crazy people, crazy thoughts, act crazy, say crazy things. But today, you're you're, you're feeling, God, something's happening and something's moving in you. You're being pierced by the truth of God's word. I want to encourage you today. If that's you and you don't know, you, you haven't begun walking in a relationship with Christ, please speak to someone around you, someone you came with, one of us before you leave today. But all you have to do in your own heart is cry out to God and say, God, forgive me and change me. I believe Jesus Christ did what the word says he did. I believe he gave his life for me. I want to give my life to him. Let it come from you and from your heart. But as we close in these moments, I just invite you to open up your heart to God and worship today. If you need prayer in any way today, we would love for you to reach out to us. You can go to our website, bwccambin.com. Go to our contact page. You'll find a link there to request prayer or send us anything that you would like to communicate with us today. Or you can also simply text the word prayer to 803-803. 676 7566, and we will be back in touch with you to find out how we can be in prayer for you. God bless you. We hope that you have a great week.